So today is St. Patrick's Day, and I'm gonna be honest. While we do the rest of this, we are pissy drunk. Like if you oh, notice just... less structure, it is because <laughs> I am on vitamin whiskey today. Oh <laughs> uh, man, no, I yesterday while I was while I was out, I think I went to two different stores and got two different varieties of Guinness. It's in very not, important. Like you can't in have no one, small amount. You can't have one version of Guinness on St. Patrick's Day. It almost feels like a small heresy. Okay. Hello, and welcome to Weeaboo Hell. It's, it's Weeaboo, Weeaboo Hell. Hell. I'm Denard Dale, a.k.a. Blind Monkey. I'm Sam Legault, a.k.a. Mute Monkey. And today we're doing kind of a comparative reading of um, two shows at very different points in the quality spectrum. But very similar in their, uh, what do we call it? Premise? I guess the core premise, instinct, the core premise. Both shows, the core premise that sort of unites them is that you have a dictatorship within a Japanese high school run by the girls on a sort of hyper-confident, hyper-authoritarian student council. And I think the reason that's fun to do these two shows in the same episode is that it really shows the difference that competence can make within a narrow spectrum. Competence and self-awareness, I think, is the other thing. Um, because one of these shows... Right, because it has such self-awareness, because it considers the viewer the way that it does, is one of the funniest pieces of media I think I've ever consumed. Perhaps the funniest. I, I'm trying to think of a time when I have laughed harder than at this show, but there are very few things that I can think of. The comic adds up that way, too. The other show... You know, I'm actually going to jump over the word generic, because I think this one is sort of bad in a special way. But no, it, it actually manages to be its own special kind of bad. I don't think it would be fair to this show to call it generic. In fact, I will say that Arm Girl Machiavellianism sort of breaks a pattern in oh, the past. Spoiler alert, it's Arm Girl Machiavellianism. That's oh, and the, the good one. show is Prison School. Yeah. The good show is Prison School. Just like, let's, let's we'll get yeah, that we'll, out of the way. We'll, we'll rip that bandit off right now. Arm Girl Machiavellianism sort of rips off a uh, band-aid we've had so far. So far, all of our bachelors have sort of been bad because they've been ripping off a plethora of things that don't go before them. And Arm Girl Mach is not exactly original or anything, but its core flaws aren't really theft. It's more no, ineptitude-oriented. it has its own problems. Its problems are its own, and I do kind of respect the series for that. Actually, I definitely would give it that, too. Like, I respect it way more than I did our run on Handshakers or Wari no Seraph or some shit like Someone tried something with this. Okay, tried is a strong word. Tried that is applies like, I, I don't want to Someone say tried, yeah. did Someone something. Someone did something. And yeah. action was taken. In the um, effort to put slightly more positive particles in the universe than negative ones, I'm just going to start us off with the better of the two. Prison school. If you've been listening to these last couple episodes, I think I've brought this up at least once per episode. And this is one of my favorite series Basically of all time. I think it's the hardest I've ever laughed at anything, both the anime and the uh, manga, that it did not manage to adapt all of, because I don't think it ever found its viewership. My aim here was to do something of a redemption for this series, because most of the people I've tried showing it to have um, reacted with some degree of disgust to it. I feel like it deserves a second chance from them, because I do think it is an honestly hilarious, very subversive show 
that has subversive, a whole lot on its mind. I think is the word. The wavelength people miss with this is that they take prison it at face school, value. It's not a horrible show for perverts. It's a show about horrible perverts, and yeah, that's absolutely. a that's like a thread on the scale of irony that I think is missed a lot in discussions about prison school. No, absolutely, it is a yeah. what I like to call a jerk show. Yeah, it is a jerk show. It is in the tradition of your, I don't know, your Sunnies, your Veeps, your CNN at this point. CNN. It's a show about bad people. It all, it all started with Seinfeld. That was the first domino in prison school was, you know, back in 2015, I think, the so final one. When you interpret um prison school, you have to sort of imagine that everyone is Costanza to sort of get into <laughs> the headspace of how you're supposed to process this one, for my money at least. No, that's, uh, that's entirely fair. I think... The key to enjoying this show is to realize that this show is kind of trying to make you its victim just a little bit. Um, and that's going to be kind of a hard point to explain here, but I'm going to try. If I could take a stab at it. Oh, yeah, it, go for it. Yeah. I think that um, you had an interesting tear about how sexualization a lot of anime works. And essentially, this one makes an effort to push it to... A sort of point of pain. Yeah, no. And not just a point of pain, but like one that sort of organically is integrated into the way that people experience sex and people see sex and the way that it may have been pushed beyond the barriers of real humanity in most like manga anime shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's um there's something about this show very, very meta about this show, and I would not otherwise consider it a metafictional show, but something about the way that fan service right and like we all know what fan service is we've all if you're listening to this series i imagine that you know you're you're acquainted with the concept the way that fan service is presented in this anime is i think very unique to it mm-hmm. because it kind of assaults you with it <laughs> yeah it, le- it less presents it to you as a reward for watching this show like oh thank you for viewing here is, you know, one of the main female characters in a swimsuit. It's less that and more just kind of holding you down and screaming to you, this is what you want, right? We this have is a... what you came here for. We have an... Eat un- it! <laughs> <laughs> we have, like, an unconfirmed private theory about this, which is that uh, before this show, which riffs on a lot of common threads in sort of Mangami, what have you, the creator had a sort of high concept series about the blues, you know, the form of music, you know, Crossroads, Black People, The Devil, etc., called Me and the Devil Blues about a uh, blues folk legend. And it was really good. It was really good. It, it, it did better than a lot of things, but it maybe didn't do as well as he wanted it to. It definitely did not find a mainstream following at all. Like it. Um, yeah, it was sort of stuck in that I think sort it was, of I think it level. was on hiatus for a very long time until prison school found some sort of success. And then he was able to keep going with it. So... I'm trying to put myself in Akira Hiromoto's shoes here, right? He's tried his high-concept manga series, right? It doesn't find its mainstream audience. He sees what does find a mainstream audience. And then he thinks to himself, Okay, assholes. You want your big TD high school manga? I'll give you your big TD high school manga. I would say he even gives us the last Big Titty High School manga. He gives you, like, the last one that there ever needed to be. Of course, there have been Big Titty High School mangas since because, you know, I don't think Deadpool, the movie, 
killed superhero movies did it um it's the same concept here so what we have is if not the last big td high school anime then the last one that you ever need to see it seems to me like it's more of an answer to the genre than anything else i think that's fair it's an answer to genre it also has just some of i don't know how i got one's far i was saying it's i mean we've said it's a comedy but like i would call it virtuosic in a lot of its executions of jokes of humanity. The thing is, I don't know, when I watch Prison School, I get the same sort of feeling how it matches elements that I watch when I watch like a high tier episode of South Park or when I watch The Death of Stalin or something like it's Oh yeah, no, it's it's, it's it has a grasp of beautifully like, executed comedy. Everything from like timing to ironic margins like feels like it's on the right wavelength. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things is like it's an execution of its protagonist and when you have like a romantic comedy especially in anime all the times you often end up with a protagonist who is sort of a hollow shell and kiyoshi is kind of a stealth thing that you think oh, his name is kiyoshi by the yeah, way his name is kiyoshi he is someone that seems like he's going to be that for a few seconds and it becomes clear that he is history's greatest liar like he wants you to believe that he is this noble self-insert, and he just lies to everyone. He lies to his four pervert friends. He lies to his central love interest Chio. He lies to his superior secondary love interest Hana. He no, lies no, that's to himself, thing, and he lies to God. Oh no, he, oh, sorry, he, I, does, he doesn't lie to Hana. He does not that's lie. One, he, that that's is the, the one only exception. person he does not lie to. And I think it's. I think the relationship writing in this show is just absolutely superb in that. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves right now. The thing that I really would like to begin with, because it's going to be unavoidable, uh, and God, this is becoming a catchphrase for me, but like, for prison school, we need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Gender politics. Here we have the most literal gender politics possible, in that this school is reeling with its gender integration, and there's a certain formula for the modern bad guy, the good modern bad guys, there are all mm-hmm. kinds of modern bad guys, but... The one that tends to land in the, I don't know, maybe post-2013 or so, they generally take a... This isn't a new invention. This is what's, a, what's like in vogue right now, right? Mm, there you go. They take like a sane moral principle like, I don't know, Thanos overpopulation is bad, Killmonger, the last 200 years of history are bad, and they take it to the point of bad fuck insanity. Oh, yeah. The underground student council in the show, which, by the way, in terms of words are naturally funny, the underground student council is that kind of thing. The Underground Student Council essentially takes, like, the base insight of, like... Men are trash. Men are trash. High school-age boys are essentially, like, cavemen. And they push that principle just far enough in their actions, like, Oh, you've gone fucking nuts. <laughs> and it's really funny here, and it's very well done. I... It's, it's not that they're entirely wrong, is the thing. I think we could back up here just a little bit. This is the politics of the characters in the show. The politics of the show. Mm -hmm. um, Because it lays the fan service on so much and so hard. I think it is often mistaken for pandering and for being base and for just being for males. I don't agree with this. And I think I have a, not a unique perspective, but a... Correct Where? one? No, I don't want to go around and... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, This is a discursive difference between um me and uh, Sam here. Um, He will engage with people who disagree with him, and I will say that I am right and you are wrong and an inferior human being. 
Which, come to think of it, is sort of a flip side of how we approach, like, politics, politics. Politics, we- yeah, no, but, like, we don't need to get into that right now, I don't think. We'll spend the whole Okay, cool, so we're not doing it. a Chapel's Weave House today? Chapel's Weave <laughs> They gotta show me your hog, man. Uh, so, uh, what I want to get into with this show and its gender politics, right? Uh, I, I need to share something, something rather personal, mm-hmm. which is the fact, um, that I would identify myself as a, um, as an asexual demisexual, right? If you want to be trendy, you can, uh, toss the word, uh, ace out there. I ace, think ace is He's like using a, a bit more precision today. word to that. And I think I have... A rare understanding of this show and its sense of humor because this is a show that bombards you with sexuality. <laughs> Bombard is the right vocab word for that one. In a way that is inescapable. I'll call it a uh, blitz. A blitz, yes. And it bombards you with sexuality in a way that is inescapable and you're sort of forced to live in this little world that you don't want to be a part of. And I think what works very well about that is, and when it comes to like literature or film, it's essentially about like how you use like your your tools, how you, how you use the tools ability, like either you know you know your cinematography or your animation or your wordplay, what have you, to not only like say the thing literally, but like how you cast the relative other elements. And this show, what I think makes a lot of the humor land for me is that it basically takes common threads of human like sexuality and captures that uncomfortableness that, that's part of growing up and it's part of like sort of the media filtering too at the same time it doesn't lambast that it doesn't really lambast them in a disingenuous or puritanical way no absolutely it just shows not. it just shows the way that it's awkward not to navigate as and a painful human being. too the point that i'm trying to get at is that when you are a person who is at best indifferent to sex and sexuality the society that we live in is not it is often inescapable conversations about such thing displays of such thing right it often feels violent at times just how i am expected to think about and talk about and be about sex and sexuality and when you remove the idea of sexuality, right, from this show, when you act as though, or if you think of yourself as an asexual being, right, as I am, there is something really, really funny about the situations that they create in this show, about how amazingly silly human anatomy is. I think that is a... Very good way of sort of capturing the core magic of this thing. Like, we, I feel like I'm not making my point as well as I'd like to be, but in essence... I mean, it's coming across as well as it can in a St. Patrick's Day episode. Oh, yeah, we recorded this on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, I'm dying, by the way. <laughs> I am all the way into cuffs. I might, I might even tag an intro into this explaining that we are pissy drunk, but we'll do that in a bit. Soldier on, you know. Um, From the... Uh, opposite end of the human sexuality chain i am i am someone who has lived in the headspace that these characters kind of occupy you certainly throw shit at a wall until something sticks i think that the way that this show treats the sort of adolescent sex drive is honest simultaneously like honest in honest but it's something like honest uncompromising hilarious 
Yeah, I would say that by the show either judges or really revels in that stuff. It just sort of looks at this behavior and says, wow, imagine how Martians would process this behavior. <laughs> they would assume that they need to install some kind of mass therapeutic session for the people of this world. Mm. No, that's not a bad point. I think I also want to talk about hyperbole here. Because this is nothing if not a hyperbolic series. There is hyperbole. Uh, here's a here's an here's just a functional example for your uh, enjoyment. One of the underground student council. You recall those are the uh, sort of three death women that run this high school. They start out as an antagonist, but the series grows larger as it goes on. You know, there's one named Mako who is, I guess I would call her a sort of sentient ball of adolescent fetishes. That That is not unfair. Like, she, she is... has the sort of cartoon porn star physique. Yeah, no, I don't think... And the whole thing any... is that... I think, if, like, if she existed in real life, there would be something very disturbing about the way that she is um, constructed. Yeah, it's a, it has that sort of Lovecraftian edge, and... Essentially, all of their interactions with her are distorted by the fact that they can't really think with the survival part of their brain, and they interpret all of the violent abuse that they that she bestows upon them as the best thing that could possibly happen to them. It's true. Every interaction with her, with this character, that the main five boys, um, who are the protagonists of this series, have with her are colored in some way by their adolescent sexuality. For the record, we are sort of pausing all this as a review of the sort of the first ep- uh, first episode. The first episode. A lot, yeah, of, a lot of shit happens. Everything the main develops, student yeah. counselor girl is a way bigger figure in the rest of the season. We're just talking about what's in the first she episode. She shows up very early. She, sho- she shows up in this episode, and it's funny. Her introduction is very, very funny, but it doesn't have anything to do with this particular She has one of my favorite comic introductions since Yossarian said, I'm not flying that fucking plane, <laughs> which is when... Before our main character, who's caught sort of his hand in the peeping cookie jar, is sent to prison. Is sent to prison, right? We I haven't even explained that shit yet. She's describing the student council, which she's on. He doesn't know that yet, and she talked about the student council president, the crow master, <laughs> and the camera Talking sort of, of tilts up to her, and then a crow lands on her arm. She looks at the protagonist, and then you don't even need to see what happens next. He's just dragged, bloody, and beaten to the prison. You know, the eponymous prison. It's fucking great. And I know a lot of times talking about a joke is like dissecting a frog. But allow me to assure you that this is a magnificent frog with strong hind legs and great organs. Like, I am looking inside of this frog and these organs are phenomenal. These are some of my favorite frog organs. Like, out of all the frogs I have dissected for fun in my time as a part-time serial killer, this is my frog. When I was done dissecting this frog, I noticed that it was still partially alive. It was that strong of a frog. (laughs) Truly a frog among frogs. It could have been a battle toad if it wanted to. Like, that is the kind of frog we are talking about here. Mm. One thing that's amusing about this show and its sort of little gender politics as he was was, uh, not exasperating, elaborating, very different word, Mm -hmm. the way it treats its sort of central male cast, they are the only... 
males really interact with in the school other than the principal who is his own comic construct yeah, well, we can if we if we keep going with this series then we can get to him because there's the he's okay. a rabbit hole if we do episodes 2 through 12 we'll come back to the principal let's just focus on these core guys these four these five guys because they are the only six um male characters in this series i'm fairly certain they do a good job of sort of capturing the breadth of the sort of characters you become in your early life absolutely yeah even given what I have revealed about myself this uh, this episode, he still have, like sees shades of himself. I've, I've been I've been there in you know in small ways to each each one of these characters. Yeah, um, they also just apropos of nothing are very very well realized characters in themselves. I think um, Gokto, one of the characters, is one of just one of my favorite characters in manga and anime in general yeah he is gakuto is uh sort of stuck in this high dialogue register in that he constantly is not only referencing but imitating sort of vocal stylings of like a romance of the three kingdoms kind of character mm-hmm. which i don't know you just have to imagine someone that's stuck in a action movie version of shakespeare and everything he says like someone who speaks in lord of the rings dialogue <laughs> And uh, you speak more Japanese than I do, but I've I have one friend who is fluent in Japanese, and when I showed him the first episode of this series, and he is one of the people who I made this episode for because he did not ultimately like it. When I showed him an episode of this series and he heard Gakuto talk, his first thought about the character was, "Wow, what a pretentious asshole!" <laughs> that yeah. is that is how this character it talks. Is in. It is entrenched in how this series handles them, and it's, re- it's not. Oh. It's, it's not entirely apparent in the English translation, uh, both either the subtitles or the uh, dubbing. But in the original Japanese, this character speaks in the most. I guess if if we were to translate it to English, it would be easy to uh, assign a sort of um, Hamptons, New England, you know, this sort of. Yeah, it's, it's, like, right, it's like right here. It's like right on that wavelength. And I'm going to dissect the frog. I'm going to explain why Cartman is farting here. That whole The whole thing of Gakuto is that it does encapsulate a kind of pretension that you embrace in your early life, trying to distinguish yourself when you don't really know what the fuck you're doing or why. Oh god, I remember that shit. And you think it will distinguish you as a human and mark some territory out for you as a human it doesn't you just kind of look back at it three years later and be like jesus fucking christ why was i like that I could or have you think like why did i even want that territory like that, that, that's not a great place to be in gotham might be one of the more like relatable ones spectrum in terms of these comic archetypes like the big one was it andre yeah andre. andre is also a character but he's more of a perfectly realized set of jokes no i would say so which is fine in a larger cast uh so the point is, this first episode of Prison School with these boys and Tilo Hawks is like, in terms of the stupidity of early male life, it... So these guys get on this caper, which they assume is the equivalent of, like, a core James Bond scheme in their fucking adolescent oh, heads. It's like more like a Mission Impossible thing, yeah. No, yeah, I think it's more accurate. It's more like Ethan Hunt is involved, there's identity du- duplication involved. Only all they're really doing is trying to shimmy... Shimmy into the girls' locker room. And take photos, which I know might sound like a fucking bathroom peephole thing, but the thing is, it plays their drive behind this for laps in a way that, to me, is elegantly done. And it fucks up on at least three different layers in execution that sort of matches the 
Well, the plan itself. The plan itself, Not yeah. The, the scene. Plan. Yeah, the, the scene, the scene, the scene plays the out plan, perfectly. The yeah. puzzle fucks on three different layers. As it fucks up, they assume the guy who's stuck in the bathroom has sacrificed himself like an honorable warrior, and they just... It's like a hand-over-heart flag salute pledge of allegiance, like, there goes a champion of our people kind of moment. It's wonderfully done, in Here my was a man. Here was a man. And there was the first episode of Prison School. Actually, I want to touch on one thing. Mm, go for it. Something they use to contrast with Mako. The violence with both of them is funny in different ways. The violence they get off of Mako, it's funny, but the guys enjoy it in kind of a pseudo-BDSM kind of way. Mm-hmm. They're both played for laughs. The violence they get from Hana is hilarious, but they are not getting anything out of it. No, because they're it is actually just, violence, just getting the shit kicked out of them. For reals this time. And the subtle ways it's animated differently, like the blood dripping off of Hana's knuckles is fucking perfect. (laughs) I think it's because there's an extra level of realism added to how it's animated. The pain feels real. She's much more conservatively dressed than Mako is, I think has something to do with it. And she seems to be striking the places that hurt Really? Like, this is a woman who knows how to fight. It's a thing that you don't want to happen to you. Because we're all civilians. None of us deserve this. None of us deserve that pain, right? But prison school teaches us how we earn that pain. How we earn the pain and just why we deserve that pain. I think the first and last thing to say about prison school Mm -hmm. is that it is an apotheosis of sorts. Mm -hmm. of tropes of anime tropes it is a reaction by this author no i actually see what you're saying like it's not just like an empty rejection of tropes like it knows the the playground it's in and it knows the the playground it's in and it's it's and it's asking the viewer to think it's like okay this is where manga and anime have come right this is what the general consensus has agreed upon, right? This is the sort of show that you want. Does this make fucking the, sense does, to does you? This, does this do it for you guys? Does it? I, 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 I'm not really sure why it would, so I'm just going to keep playing around here until I understand. And that is what prison school is to me. It's sort of a conversation with the viewer about what they are asking for in their anime. I think you have definitely captured something there. I think mm-hmm. that it is in a... Great dialogue with where the whole fucking genre is, and maybe what could be better left behind. Mm -hmm. And in some moments, even what does work about it. Like, if anything, they have definitely done a fucking high-resolution snapshot of the adolescent brain in a lot of ways. Oh, absolutely. I I think in the last several years, um, especially, I have found a whole lot of pieces of media in general have done a really, really good job knowing what they're talking about mm-hmm. when they're talking about the adolescent mind. Um, yeah. I've felt a whole lot like I will watch a show, a scene will play out, or a movie, or what have you. A scene will play out, and I will point and say, yes, no, yeah, they got it. Yeah, there is a definitely a rising standard in that kind of precision. I remember um, Spider-Man Homecoming did a really good job. Yes, that did a I felt, masterful job. I felt a really, like, I felt a real connection with their version of Peter Parker because he felt like a very real 15-year-old. Yeah, the Peter Parker in that movie was great. Like, the pairing of dealing with the girlfriend's father for the first time in your life 
versus like, oh, he, her father's a literal fucking supervillain. The first time I ever met a significant other's parents, mm-hmm. I met this one girlfriend's mother. She told me, my mother has some racial opinions. <laughs> if you see me and her together, just don't say anything. And I saw them on campus. And walking by her mother. I, first I see the first I see the girl, so I sort of wave to her. Then I see the mother. And I actually just walk past both of them, pretending I was just waving at someone behind them. And for a second, the mother's eyes lock on me like, You! you. It was It was great. It sounds bad. It was great. <laughs> I have a lot of endorphins associated with that memory. Because <laughs> I'm more trying not to laugh than anything. I think it's hard having racist parents. I think someone else having racist parents, just it's, it's just sort of a comedy bit for you. This is my perspective. Maybe I'm just more easygoing in my heart and My soul. parents are just a little bit racist in the way that, like, all white people are just a little bit racist. Like, they're not especially so... The way that some of the more virulent ones are, but you know they got they got biases, they got prejudices. They, I, it's I have, like how you use. I have to get into arguments with them. It's sometimes. how you use spices like paprika. Yeah, no, honestly, yes, no, that's that, that's that's not a bad analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, let's talk about armed girls Machiavellianism. Oh sure, I totally was not trying to avoid talking about armed girls Machiavellianism because it's a great program that I loved. I think we had a bit earlier about how execution can really make a wide margin of difference in a similar sphere of ideas. Or maybe we're drunk and we didn't mention that. I'm mentioning it now. Either way. I like. I can believe that we mentioned that. I can believe it too. Because I'm drunk. Two different manga creators and, anime, and later anime studios arrived on the idea of, hey, let's play with gender interactions through a high school dictatorship. And in Arngold Machiavellianism... It came out wrong. wrong. <laughs> Deeply wrong. Like Fishman and H.P. Lovecraft wrong. <laughs> in parts, interestingly wrong. And in other parts, amazingly just mundanely wrong. Just run-of-the-mill, oh man, you did this shit again <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I found myself less horrified by this series than I did disappointed by it. Disappointment is definitely a powerful role in the armed girl Machiavellianism experience. Uh, I feel like there's a universe where this show worked as a thing. That's a thing. I think that's I think that's possible. There there was um Yeah, isn't it called prison school? Like that's why we basically <laughs> compared them, right? Okay, swish. But no, I think that the elements present in this show could in more competent hands be turned into a better series. There's something maybe that series is just kill a kill. Kill a Kill does, I mean, I guess it's less firmly entrenched into gender division, most is just general sexuality, but sexuality. Kill a Kill does feel like a smarter version of, like, a battle anime... In school. A battle anime in a school with a female dictator. Okay, that's just a very close... Okay, maybe Kill a Kill is just a better version of this, but Ooh, this... Ooh, maybe this is less a prison school ripoff and more a Kill a Kill ripoff. Can we get I a had... survey in here? Can we get I a survey if this that. more of a prison school ripoff or a Kill a Kill? We, we need to investigate that. I think the guy protagonist, though, and his personality puts it more into prison school. Well, a little bit more than prison school, but he... No, but I, I'm not sure I entirely agree with that because he is very much of a separate archetype not so much in the Ryoko archetype and not so much in the... Oh, not so much in the Kyoshi archetype Not either. so much yeah. in the Kyoshi archetype Yeah, he's either. a different thing. In your defense, not so much 
generic as dull. Like he oh, is absolutely. like it's uh, I've he he has a personality. It is a yeah, personality he, that I've seen a million times before, but he does have a personality. A million instead of a billion. So you oh, know, yeah, there's no, territory left. So, he's, uh, so he gets points for that at least. Yeah, he's a uh, delinquent. He has a sardonic demeanor. And he's got a past, guys. Yeah, he's got a past. Oh man, he's with the school's dictator. Done even. things who knows in his act. backstory, and he doesn't want you to know about them. So we've seen the first episode. So a game we can play that we can't play. We have to watch the whole thing, which I'm glad we can do now. Is what did he do exactly? Was he selling? Was he just selling like Adderall in the bathroom? God, I wish I had gone to that school. If he was, <laughs> <laughs> I think the. Uh, the little backstory on him, and by the way, I managed to memorize not a single character's um, name in this, so I'm going to be referring to them. I have one them. name. I have literally one. That's good. That's one more than me. I'm going to be referring to people based on their gimmick rather than their odd name, because I gotta tell you, man, no. I don't, ha- I, I don't have their names. He, um... The he, show is not appear- very sticky in the human memory. No, it's, um... Well, we'll get to why later, but, um... So I guess this guy started a riot once, and a whole bunch of people got hurt, including him. He got hurt worst of all. That's what we're. Uh, that's what we hear about this guy. Poor riot starting. He needs to work on his like more formal elements. We watch this delinquent enter the school, wide grin on his face, and then we meet the student council. They all have swords or something. They all have swords. Like I should. I'm gonna pin this one down. Both schools are dealing with, like... Integration problems. Integration problems between, like, two genders. In this show, they pitch it as the reaction was, um... The student council arms all the swords. The average students get batons because, I guess, we needed a class thing within the school? Within the gender thing? Because we need... Are, are we double... Are we, like, I don't this think like that the, I, I don't think that the creative staff was thinking that hard about this, in, in, in You're fairness. right. They weren't thinking of it as a class thing. They were thinking of it as... Only our notable characters should have awesome swords. So the girls get swords, and one of them has a blind Zatoichi thing going, which is handled, in their defense, not offensively, just in a very thinly realized kind of way. Which is to say, boring. Boring. Look, there are a lot of genres of bad, and one thing I will say for Armgro Machiavellianism is is that relative to a lot of the sort of high school pervy shows we get into, it doesn't, like, morally Puritan, pearl-clutching, offend kind of bad. It's more of just an intellectually insulting kind of please-try-harder feeling that you get. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, like I said, I think that there is a universe where this show works, where the elements in this show are good and funny. I think that's true. Like, there are shows that are, like, adjacent to this. I also, here's the other thing. I have a hard time trying to figure out if this show is supposed to be funny or not. I think it's going to be funny at times. I think its primary genre is battle manga. Like, around like battle around halfway manga, through, it seems to decide that it's going to be a shounen fighting anime, right? Mm-hmm. But the tone that it strikes during this decision that it makes makes me feel like... No, but also it wants to be a comedy. It just seems excessively um, confused. Is uh is is the word that I think I should use here? Confuse is a good word. I think that there is a uh, pointed lack of control. I think they have things in mind, different scenes. They don't necessarily always control the elements within the scene to add to the conclusion that they want to reach. No. Yeah. 
Think of when they introduce the student council and you have rival mask girl. Her name is Rin. That's the one name I retained. Rin. She, is she... Okay, she... Yeah, no, I remember Rin. She looks a little bit like Rei Ayanami because in any anime, one of your characters is going to look like Rei Ayanami. That's just statistics right It's a there. law of the world. Just as it's a law during any given St. Patrick's Day, I will be near death. I'll once again reiterate, we have drank a lot in coming to this. I am holding more alcohol in my hands. I'm you are actually some... past me. Oh, the, yeah, uh... good point. You, he, I'm sorry. Um, Sam needs some of his medicine right now. Um, otherwise, he's going to start feeling that itch, and then we have to uh, deal with the hospital. This is actually my Guinness cup right now, but I'm going to cheat. Pass over here. You're not drinking alone. My God, what is oh, wrong course. with you? Oh, of course. No, no. I wouldn't Jesus. want to be rude. Uh, manners are important. Manners are important in school. For example, our uh, hero man... As he gets introduced to this zany I don't remember setting, his name. I like, and you can't, you can't make me remember his name. I won't do it. They make a point of telling you his name once or twice and telling you that the accent is on the first syllable. I couldn't tell you what the syllable is because I remember the fact that the accent is on the first syllable more than the name itself. But I think it starts with N. So, Mister N. Mr. Huh? N. Right? Uh, cool. Let's call him Neo. I love The Matrix. I'm a big Matrix fan. That's one of my favorite movies. It's a pretty good movie, yeah. He's learning that his world is fake. N, in moving through the space, meets another former delinquent, a stark warning, who... I wrote this down. Let me... let me. Let, I want to get this just right, because uh, when he meets this other former delinquent, there's a character our hero reacts to immediately with, a cross-dressing dude? It turns out uh. the men in this high school cross-dress to blend in under the council's authority. Is this the peak of comedy to you or action world-building? Oh, God. I don't like... I don't want the rest of this episode to be about transphobia. I really don't. Like, that's not going to be fun for me. It's not going to be fun for you. It's not going to be fun for anyone He's listening. hit the classic uh, Todd in the Shadows problem, Minor Shada. I enjoy his music reviews. Yeah, no, me, me, me as well. And, like, I... I'm feeling the pain that he feels sometimes when, like, yeah, yeah, we need to talk about this. I don't want to. You don't want to listen to it, but, like, here it fucking is, and I'd be remiss if I ignored it. I'm not sure this makes fucking human sense before you even hit the whole trans politics layer. Like, Well, let's, let's, let's go into it first. Let's just make sure that everyone understands it. The idea is, in, 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 armed plain, in as plain as words as I can make it, once the um, female sector of the student body armed itself, the uh, the male sector were, I guess, presented with a choice where they could either <laughs> go on as they were or begin cross-dressing. Um, this is presented as a, as a joke. This is presented very much as a gag. I guess are, in the gag, I should say that they have, like, bigger than normal heads and they're super hyper made super, up. Super the bigger fuck. than normal heads. They have, like, they have very exaggerated chins and cheekbones. The whole thing is just... Mm, ma- true, true. The whole thing is just there to uh, to make it very clear that, no, these these are definitely men who are um, very much pretending in this context to be women or are forced to pretend that they are... I don't know you know how to explain it without accidentally saying... It, it's true. It feels like you want to sort of dip into, like, the 4chan half of your vocabulary and just sort of describe how... I do, because this, this show seems to want me to as well. Um, I don't know what I can say about this other than it's abhorrent. <laughs> it's not very funny, 
he uh the main character uh the first person he interacts with in this show is a large he's he's like a large former delinquent he's got like a big head where they sort of pronounce the chin cleft and for a good amount of time for an uncomfortable amount of time they're talking about how this girl at least we believe at first has such masculine features and how this is a hilarious thing that i encourage you to now. remember the uh song uh dude looks like a lady or uh, or lola or lola lola uh, my, is my, also on that my, my favorite song about transphobia <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only one to get a Weird Al, Weird Al remix. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, like, good for the kinks. <laughs> Again, I could go on for a good hour and a half, two hours, about the about the uh, the transphobia that just, like, decides to be there. It's like, they didn't even need to do this. This element of the show didn't even need to be there. But he figured, nah, it's good for a laugh. So he puts this in. And I think, once again, it comes down to, like, this lack of control. Like, you could have hit this theme of, like, these guys basically, like, walking around the school kissing the feet of these girls who have, like, weapons that they can murder them with, right? But he decides that how far he needs to push is to get his idea across because he doesn't understand. Is the idea how... that, that the lowest form of masculinity is femininity, and that's bad. That seems it's a to be real wacky party. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so, so there's, there's that, just going on to the show in the background just in but, um, case i'm gonna take this back to neil for a it. second in the show the student council does have five six the numbers off of my head let's say five discrete designs between these women yes the character designs let me let me jump in here <laughs> uh so now i need to talk about the boring parts about why this show is bad uh, we, we start with the character designs, and we watched the first episode of this right after we watched the first episode of Prison School, a show with just really lovingly designed characters. Like, it does a good job of both invoking what you assume based on what you've seen before and it's making its own territory. Kind of kind of like giving its own territory, subverting your expectations just a little bit. The character designs in Prison School are absolutely spot on. Then you get to Machiavelli... <laughs> Armed girls Machiavellianism. Thank you. Um, and immediately, immediately, you were struck by how pedestrian this show looks. Like, I'm I'm starting here with just the character designs, <laughs> but really, it's everything about the look and feel of this show. I think the first thing I noticed was the color palette and just how much it looks like any sort of, like, harem, high school anime, whatever... The it characters... really does not distinguish itself on a sort of screenshot-to-screenshot basis. Oh, absolutely not. It can be confused for literally any other show. Um, whereas Prison School, oh no, you know exactly what you're watching. The character designs themselves look at home in basically uh, any sort of light novel adaptation. Depending on how deep in the anime hole you are, I would say that the thing of armed girl Machiavellianism, character designs, and its overall look... Is that when you go through the shows of the season chart, you could easily flip by it without even processing it in your brain. Oh, absolutely. Versus just, the other snapshots in that chart. It is just chart. like a show that happened that, like, you could go through the season chart and completely forget about it as you're looking at it in favor of, I don't know, like the second season of Mob Psycho 100. Should we do Mob Psycho at some point? You think we, we should. Oh, God. 
It's like, that, okay. That one's a whole fucking thing It is a me. show. It, it, okay, so Mob Psycho 100 is an interesting point for us, right? Because mm-hmm. normally me and this guy are in super concordance what to watch. And basically the shows set up my feedback sounds super good to me, but the animation hurts his fucking eyes. So I'm wondering like, it's hey. It's just so intentionally ugly and like, well. I'm reacting the way you seem to have intended me to react, and I cannot fucking... I'm having a hard time... No, guys, I really I really want to like this show. I really don't want to... And I will find a way around it, I, I guess. I don't think he's necessarily... It just looks so goddamn ugly. <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but I dip into a big pool of Western animation, too, and there have been shows that, like, while not masterfully drawn, have still had a interesting core underneath that to I guess me. if I can like Rick and Morty which looks pretty goddamn ugly I guess Rick and Morty look, does look pretty ass it, it looks it looks no I would in fact I would say that Adult looking, Swim has a legacy of shows of shows that look very very unattractive I, I don't want to talk or be unattractive is such a much more eloquent word than ass like it's so weird like I went to like the fucking fanciful but you have the actual real human words for these things it almost tells you the whole system is Artificial. Artificial, yeah. Perhaps. What if we burned down most elite institutions? What if we burned down Lori Laughlin? You can, I think you can cancel someone for a second generation after that. At least that's where I am, personally, in my heart. Like, I think at that point, we've, like, we've done what we set out to do. I, mm-hmm. think, I, th- I think at that point, I'm just about satisfied. Having gone to, like, an objectively worse school. Like, grandchildren, that's that's good. We're about even there. <laughs> Fuck, I forgot so, where I was. Oh, right, no, we were we were at the animation. No, the animation is fucking harmed here. Um, <laughs> it, it looks like it would belong in any fucking show with a waifu of the season. And I don't mean that in a, in a good, you know, Kaguya-sama way. I mean that in a, uh, yeah. in a, in a really, like, really bad... Yeah, oh, at a I, later point... Bad Mouth yeah. Zero Two right now? <laughs> When he says, like, a bad harem show, let me draw a line in the sand. He likes some harem shows. I dislike pretty much all of them because of my own disorders. But what I mean to say is that there are shows that he thinks are good within the genre. And this show fails to meet the line in the sand. Lower in my opinion, but still there, that those that those shows he likes. Also, they don't get into it in the first episode. I can only imagine this show is a harem anime as well. Um... Maybe not. I don't know. I don't like. I don't want to get all fuck again. I don't want to get all fucking cinema sins here and decide things about this thing that it is. If you not. want to take one thing away from this podcast so far, kind of fuck cinema sins. I kind guess of fuck like cinema sins. Yeah. Actually, no, not kind of. I actually do hate that shit. Like we have actively folded. We're actually folding more good things into the show because cinema sins eats so much ass. But it has so many of like the tropes, right? Even just the visual tropes of a uh, of a harm anime that i am tempted to group into that i think it does that thing a bad show does where it wants to remember the good times like the good things within the spectrum that you've enjoyed like you are watching this and says like hey don't you remember that warm comfortable place you were in during like love hina or some shit i was in a pretty warm comfortable place during love hina like yeah a little bit trash but like i had fun (laughs) A little bit trash, but it was less trod ground. Like, at least you could think, like, the guy was, like, making right. some shit it's up. It's like, oh, man, this is bad, but it's new. <laughs> bad, but it's new. That That is a... And at least it was funny occasionally. This was, um... 
the show's sense of humor, I got it. There were jokes that... Here's the thing. I will give this show credit where it was due. Mm-hmm. The sense of humor that it has did not make me feel like this show thought I was a moron. Like, the jokes, I got them. They weren't very funny, but I did not feel as though he was condescending to me. I agree with that. I, Given the range of things we've covered in this show so far, I will just triple underline... This show's better than Handshakers. Oh, this show's way better than Handshakers. Yeah, like, it's way, this, it's this, way, this way better than Handshakers. Two letter grades better than Handshakers. I'd rate this like, like if you're maybe still, a C. If you're still doing the Dante F. thing, like I don't know what's in the first two layers. Who even gives a fuck? Well, one of the first like three layers of hell this goes to. Not like, like it's, it's gonna like face a pretty terrible eternity, but like not the worst eternity. Yeah, this show doesn't go to face. deep hell. But I I want to finish up talking about the base level basic film criticism problems this show has like it's poorly edited just in general and i i could talk about this but really it's the cuts are not where they should be the scenes are not as long as they should be the uh the direction of the camera doesn't make sense most of the time it is Uh, a problem that sort of thing in understanding how film editing works and feeling good or bad about it for a a fun bad movie time to understand bad editing, watch the movie Birdemic. Cause I didn't understand what bad editing felt like when you watch something until I saw Birdemic. I feel like and Birdemic's it's a, a little bit of an easy target. Or it's no, a, I'm not, I'm not saying long. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not. We're not going. We're not reviewing Birdemic. I'm saying. Well, like, no, no, not that. So not so much that, but like you go into Birdemic knowing that it's bad, right? I feel like there's a better target that you could hit right here, like a film. That is not universally understood to be a train wreck. Like, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody has so, real bad fucking editing. Okay, you know what? I think Sam's right, actually. I'm gonna surrender. You win. Watch the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. Think of its strengths and weaknesses. And, and its weakness where, column. where they decide to cut and why it makes watching the film just kind of awkward in general. And realize that this is not... This is not a joke film the way Birdemic is. The lead actor won an Oscar for this film, and yet. But yeah, this anime, um, Machiavellianism, has um, a whole lot of the same problems. Like, the way that scenes are clipped together doesn't, is not necessarily arranged towards optimally telling a story, or telling a story, period. Like, I think of the transitions between, like, the council deliberating between each other and... Rin from the council going to go meet... I, I think we agreed to call him Neo. Sure, Neo sounds fine. Neo sounds fine. There's a gag. Mm-hmm. And it struck me during the fight. And that's a thing that would have worked if they did it once or twice. But because it is specifically badly edited, it doesn't land. Where they name Rin's techniques, which... The effect that oh, has... they name it so fucking hard, too. <laughs> Oh man, they have some other character watching this fight, naming these techniques. And when a fight is confusing, the best thing you can say about it is that at least it's not boring. Uh, This fight (laughs) that took up about most of the latter half of the first episode of the series was boring. Because they could not shut the fuck up about what was happening they couldn't trust 
that we understood what was happening. They had to add little fucking things into this fight There's to make a- it more interesting, I guess, yeah. was, their, was their idea here. But all it did was slow it the fuck down. At one point, um, Neo puts on a pair of, you could call them cestuses, just gloves that have some amount of armor sewn into them. Gloves right? that say, I will not get stabbed in the show. I will not show. get stabbed in the show, right? Um, and instead of just letting the viewer see that these are armored gloves, right? And this is how he fights, right? He fights with his hands against swords and he wins. That's the idea? No. We pause for a good long while and we talk about... We need to underline the fact that it's impressive that a human being blocked a sword with armor gloves wielded by another human being. But since you or I are apparently just not smart enough to work that out for ourselves, even uh, even if he demonstrated this ability to do so... Uh, after having taken one or two licks and decided, okay, I guess I'll go from 1% of my power to 10% of my power here. There is a layer in flawed writing beyond what they tell you in high school or college writing workshops. Telling instead of showing isn't the worst sin. The worst sin is showing and then telling. And then telling. Yeah, no, that's not... Because they show the thing and then they tell the thing. And then they underline and say, hey, dip fuck, do you understand the content that's you before you? get it? This is the thing. So he and Rin, you know the itchy and scratchy thing. They fight, they fight, they fight, they fight, they fight. Fight, 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 fight. The itchy the and scratchy and show. And show. <laughs> uh, they fight and you haven't really gained anything from it other than their, I guess, grudging admiration. Is she going to be like his lead... I don't know if we're going to do a second episode of this show. We we try to keep the, the sort of docket varied. We can, I guess. I guess, it I don't know. It didn't make me feel pain the way that Owari knows Seraph does. Honestly, 24 shows come out in a season, and I feel like I want to cast this net wide, because there's a lot of... Oh, absolutely, yeah. There's a lot of shit that's good, a lot of shit that's bad. Just a lot of shit. A lot of shit is out there. What the fuck are we, like, three-fifths of the way through? Like, I, I think... Uh, no, three-quarters, I think, is, like, the right term to use through that... Jesus. Shh. Shh. It's fine. It's fine. He's referring to a bottle of um, Honey Jack Daniels that we are, I want to say, four-fifths of the way through. I want to try to bring this home. If I can. And let me see how I do here. I believe in you. I believe uh, in your powers. As as three-quarters of the way in the bag as I am. (laughs) I think the beginning... Of prison school at the beginning of Machiavelli. Armed girl Machiavellianism. Thank you. These shows start with a conversation about gender politics, right? Gender politics in a specific age bracket. Yeah. In a specific age bracket, right? Uh, They aim to make some statement or at the very least some joke about it. That is very true. And one of them understands what it's talking about, and one of them just fucking doesn't. If I could offer creative advice in a broad stroke, I'm a writer, successful, fail, I don't know. I have some publication tags, whatever. People can smell from a mile away 
whether or not you give a fuck about what you're talking about. Mm. And when I watched Prison School, I felt like he had something to say. I felt like he gave a shit about what he was talking about. No, I absolutely believe that this guy felt something about what he was writing. And I will say, watching Arm Girl on Machiavellianism, I did not feel that the guy who wrote the comic was a moron. What I felt was that he did not give a single flying fuck about the high school chapter of his life. Which is fine, because of a whole life after high school, more important things happen to you. write about that. Write about that. Write about your workplace. Write about your 20s. Write about your 30s. Write about your 40s. If you don't give a shit about high school, don't write about high school. You lived so much life before and after that. Focus on what you care about. There's no argument to be made that this is anime. And that's where the money is. But we can talk about that at a later date. That is, however, a misreading of market forces because the high school market is completely flooded. Competent executions out of that will still make their money. I see your point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, yeah, no. You're, you're, you're right. I will concede that point. And we didn't even get started on how this guy didn't even fucking read The Prince and deigned to put Machiavelli in the title of this series. Dude, I went to this series it's like a moron, clear. like thinking like, oh shit, there's gonna be some discourses on Livy thing. He didn't even read The Prince. <laughs> Like, what he didn't did even he read do? the undergrad circuit level of fucking Machiavelli. Sam has an excellent fucking point here. But it has been wonderful being with you people today on St. Patrick's Day, in which I am dead. I've been Mute Monkey. A.K.A. Sam Ago. I've been Blind Monkey. A.K.A. Uh, Denar Dale. Dale. Yeah. And thank you all for joining us. Yo, what do you think it's like in Hell with Trevelyan? Hopefully not pleasant. Um, I hope that he feels like he's starving every day of his uh, eternity down there. Yeah, he. it feels like you have to get a little more creative than the whole like standard like fire, pitchfork, sodomy kind of treatment. Like, he did something very specific. You know, it could be that the devil is thinking that he's trying to reform Charles Trevelyan's moral character, right? You're trying right. So he like deprives him of like oxygen and food oxygen, over time. It's like food, I'm trying water. to teach you how to be it's like because you're all you're all Protestant and whatever, right? And it's like no, that's actually just the wrong way to be. I guess Catholic was the right way this whole time. Yeah, there was only one religion that needed food. We who knew? Like Trevelyan knew. It we wasn't. Were... It wasn't yours, Trevelyan. I guess that you and I were wrong about how like human morals worked all this time. I'm gonna clarify that. As it turns out, like you could you could dress genocide up like, you know, a uh, like daycare, like, like it's daycare, a, but like daycare for other demographics of human. It's great. 